0: You want to be a? baller? <laughs> Shot caller, 20-inch blades, on your Impala. Caller getting laid tonight. Switch the road tight, gotta spread the eye and I hit the highway. Mm-hmm. Making money to fly away. Mm-hmm. But it's got to be a better way, better way, better way, yeah. I'm a baller, I'm a 20 inch collar. Blaze on the roller, diamond rock waller. I 10 hauler, never need a nine pauler Break these boys off, I'm a 20 inch collar. Bust a left or right, I'm out of sight, I'm 3rd I'm bouncing off the road, I'm changing twos, Hop out my big body form.
1: That's what you call I got mind control over Debo
0: <laughs> Inception <laughs> 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 all right y'all welcome to no, another that's how we start, huh? that yeah I was, was, was late <laughs> Welcome to another episode of remembering me and intentional healing podcast. My name is Candice Love.
1: My name is Docs aka Brick City.
0: Yeah, and this is episode three mm-hmm. of our podcast. The three-way, the threesome. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that is a good segue mm-hmm. into what we're speaking about today. Is there anything that we need to speak on, touch on before we get to the topic at hand?
1: No, nah, I think we could dive right in today. I don't okay. think we need a introductory segment.
0: Okay, cool. So,
1: Why I got to do it.
0: Because, you know, I I opened the last conversation, the episode, you did? too. I did. This year? I did.
1: Okay. All right. Well, this particular conversation, I think we uh, touched on it briefly in the intro to our previous episode. Um, Thank you guys for watching that episode. First two episodes. Continue to support. We're going to continue to give you the life, not the content. We don't Absolutely. consider this content. Um, But... We have had a lot of conversations, spark a lot of questions about how we approach sexuality due to the latest version of our intimate uh, moment kind of going viral. The first of which, and we was kind of just talking about it earlier um, in a previous podcast, the first time that happened for us was what will become, unbeknownst to you, um, our marriage c- ceremony weekend, Yeah. week rather. Yeah. Um, I guess that's a good place to start as far as our approach to sexuality. Right. Um, St. John's. Let Mm -hmm. me paint the picture. Saint John's. Paint the picture. Right. Um, this is the first time any woman had any ever done anything to this degree for me. Like I was low key and high key uncomfortable when you was like, I wanna do something for your birthday. And (laughs) I want Who to rent something by that? you. Who voice is that? Yes, it is. <laughs> That's her voice. But yeah, when she first told me that she wanted to take me on a trip, she wanted to fly me out, y'all. It's the first time she I got ever... Flewed I out. I out. And when she first told me she wanted to go to St. John's for my birthday, like I had to just wrap my mind, more so my heart, around being able to accept mm-hmm. that level of love. I, you know, I've gotten gifts before, but nothing to that degree. Um, And I was already like, Still am, of course, completely in love. So I ain't need all that. But when she said it, and my heart was like, nigga, you, you better get your heart and mind wrapped around this. We about to go to St. John. Straight up. <laughs> um, from that point, she also had a few other tricks up her sleeve. So she already had that plan like three, four months in advance. I knew we was doing that. I've never been surprised for my birthday before. Never had a surprise party. Always low-key mm-hmm. one on one. Um, but she pops up, coming from fourteen hundred miles away. She pops up in New Jersey. And mind you, she kind of knows my community. And at that point, she really didn't. She's doing recognizance on my yeah, Instagram page, right. trying to see who's commenting on what, who right. I seem to be affiliated with, and just sending people messages like, "Look, I think you want to Doc's friends. I'm doing a surprise party. Can y'all come?" Mm-hmm. Um. So the day of, I just want, I just wanted to chill. Um, knowing, knowing I wasn't going to be with her, I take my holidays when I'm by myself as opportunities to have, to spark romance with my creator. Um, and we'll get to that in our approach to sexuality, but I planned on just being by myself that they dressing nice, but being by myself, except for a shout out to Shino the owner of blueberry cafe. She was in cahoots and she was like, doc, I'm going to take you uh, to lunch for your birthday. Mm I'm like, all right, cool. And mind you, she's popping up from 1,400 miles away. A lot of women probably don't feel comfortable popping up, and they live down the block because they don't yeah. know what they may actually run into. But this is the level of trust that we have in our relationship. So she um, she literally flies out, gets everything done. I'm thinking I'm just going to lunch with um, Shino. And she's starting to say all this extra stuff. And something's starting, to, the wheel's starting to turn. Like, hold up, what's going on here? And right when I started to figure things out, I opened the door and it's a whole surprise party that day. And then she also had a ceremony to initiate me into what we call my Baba hood. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because the first, one of the first gurus I sat under, his name is Baba. A lot of gurus end up taking that name. you know, um, aspects of fatherhood, spiritual father. And I have kind of been that in my community for a while.
0: Very much so, not even kind of.
1: Right. But she she did a ceremony that also went viral, that initiated me into that, Mm -hmm. got the flowers out, had the community crowd around me, washed my feet. Some of y'all may have seen that one too. And all this leading up to us going to St. John's. Yeah. So before I turn it over to you, I kind of knew you was, if I was ever going to have a one, I knew you was that from a very early stage, even before we started to get romantic. Um, but by this point, it's just like, bro, <laughs> like, it's too much at this point to not like really, I, I guess, take a leap of faith, even though it wasn't that I knew what it was. But after that ceremony, I knew this about to be my wife. Yeah. And we had all these conversations. We don't want no relationships. We don't want no titles. We ain't getting married. I don't care about none of that. And it was a part of me that is like, I right, am I overstepping my bounds? But it was a way bigger part that said, no, she don't even realize that she wants and actually needs this experience mm-hmm. beyond you wanting to make her your wife. So on our way to St. before I got to St. John's, I went and got the rings, got things set up. I didn't know how it was going to flex once we got there. I kind of let her pick up from that point, but we wanted to lay the groundwork first before we get to you understanding of how we approach sexuality.
0: Yeah. and all of that was just a beautiful time in our relationship. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we acknowledged that we were together, but mm-hmm. for for the most part, that was enough for us you know it wasn't like a so what are we or are you gonna move to Houston and never asked that you know it wasn't like I I need what are your intentions those conversations never happened it wasn't necessary for those conversations to happen but I knew that whatever was to happen for us in our future you were it for me Mm. and so me wanting to you know, shower you and acknowledge you and really give you you your flowers Mm. in a way that I felt you deserved and in a way that I felt like people previous to me being a part of your life dropped the ball. Mm. And so a part of me hosting the surprise birthday party and having the ceremony to wash your feet in front of your community and also having them be involved right. was also to lead by example and remind them when you have someone who is pouring into you the way that you pour into everybody that you meet, it is unacceptable for you not to acknowledge this man in the way that he deserves and is supposed to be acknowledged, period. So it was like, here. Acknowledge the person that has been guiding you in this process, Mm. and so it was to honor you, but to show other people this is how you honor a man of this magnitude.
1: Right, and then to go from that point to um, St. John's, and we was there for what five days, maybe? Nah, we was there for a minute. Yeah, six, seven days. Yeah, yeah. in the middle of the jungle, like literally. If you ever been to st john's (laughs) driving around they don't got streets they got mountains they got hills and we need this jeep cherokee just uh the the place that we stayed at literally is on like this crazy half side of a mountain it was nuts yeah but i knew what i was gonna do i knew what it was time for i didn't know how it was gonna happen so all she kept talking about out of all the things that we could do at st john's she just wanted to go hear some music yeah some Our type of music, because, you know, it's it's a lot of not us out there in St. John's. So you may not think that you could find something like that. She's calling every single day. I still don't know what day I'm going to do this, what time, what it's going to look like. I just know God going to guide me. It's lit. I'm about to have a wife out here in these streets. So I think it was the fourth or fifth day, close to our last day. And I'm like, yo, get dressed. Still didn't know what we're doing.
0: Right, right. No,
1: nope. she happened to make a call that day. Um, somebody said there may be something going down in the village. I'm like, yo, let's just get dressed and go figure it right. out. Right. So you know, I, I put on my my little my little threads. Yeah. I you got tell my me what
0: color to wear. Nah,
1: and we and we still ended up in alignment even as far as our colors. Yeah. So I I got the I got the John on me. Right. She still don't know nothing. <laughs> and that day, this is kind of what consecrated it because she wanted to shoot some. Footage for me as a meditation teacher in that environment. We got beautiful Airbnb. The bathroom is like halfway outside, halfway not. So I'm sitting there doing some meditative techniques to get footage. At a certain point, it just was this warm, comfortable, time and summer rain, right? Summer rain. Right. So, so the 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 camera already set up. I'm yeah. like, yo, come here. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm laid out, chest naked, on, and all my island boyness, right? <laughs> so she come over to me get and it, she baby. she just you know gets on top of me and 10 maybe 12 minutes yeah. of us getting to a point where we forgot the camera was even rolling mm-hmm. we were just within ourselves again breathing each other's breath letting our souls intertwine and that was that morning that's kind of what let me know it's supposed to be today yeah. so as soon as we get to the village all of a sudden we stumble up, up, across this um little place where is one black woman one black man he's playing an instrument she's singing Singing Mario, yeah. singing, yeah, I mean, like all of the the R and B joints she would have wanted to hear, yeah. and it's nobody there. It's literally yeah. one other person in the place, so we vibing, and, and
0: that lady from the place is the she knew us from social media, mm-hmm. and she also was recommending spaces for us to
1: right because I knew I wanted to do this on a beach at night. So the only person in the audience besides us is the person I needed to ask. First of all, are we gonna get arrested if we go to the beach at night. Right. And if not, which one should we go to? Right. The one she suggests, honeymoon beach. <laughs> right? So we have a beautiful time. We leave the spot. It starts raining again. Yeah. The the infamous uh date night, in, night, the night in the rain.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so we out on this island getting rained on. I already know what I got in my plans in my pocket. And it's like, all right, let's go find a beach. So we go to honeymoon, moon beach. And literally when we get on it, it's not like a big shore or whatever you call it. It's not a mm-hmm. lot of sand. It's mostly yeah. just ocean. Yeah. But it's midnight. Ain't no lights. Ain't no street lights out here. You really can't see see right. anything. All you can smell and feel and hear and sense is just these beautiful waves under all these stars and there's nobody around. We felt like we was the only people in the universe yeah. at that point.
0: The only thing that you could see was the moon.
1: Exactly. We couldn't even see each other. Yeah. So at a certain point, I'm still.
0: Couldn't even see each other.
1: Right. At a certain point, I'm I'm still like, all right, so how am I going to spark it, though? I know it's about to happen right now. So we just vibing, we just talking. And I remember hearing in my mind first before I actually said it, um, if you could have this moment, um, oh no, if, if you could have any wish granted, what would it be? And I asked her that, and she was like, to have this moment forever. Got down in front of her, both knees. Mm. And after all the conversations, after all the walls that may have been around her, your heart, Mm -hmm. even previous to me, all that came crashing down. And she I just felt the hand shaking. I felt the crying again. I can't see her. We soul to soul. I could literally feel like ancestors and angels lined up as our witnesses. And you know, this is very rare. I don't know anybody else who's had a wedding. Where there's nobody there, even when you go to court, there's still a witness. It was literally just souls that was witnessing this. So from that point, and I'm not going going to go into the rest of the story, that's just setting the groundwork for how we have been very intuitively guided into deeper and deeper intimacy with each other, that even down to you saying over and over, I never want to be married, to that moment, letting you know that you needed and wanted that, and that could only be with
0: yeah, Your boy. absolutely. Because, you know, when we first, I tell this story all the time, when we first got together, or not even got together, but when we first met and we first started talking, I don't even know why or how this conversation happened. But we made it very clear, I don't care to be in a relationship. Mm-hmm. I don't care to ever be married. Or it didn't even matter to us at that time if we were sexually active. Mm-hmm. We were just so enthralled in our personal evolution. And so... Um, I had been single for four years prior to meeting my husband and I was very much so okay with being by myself. And then I was very much so okay with being in a relationship that didn't have any titles because there was no expectations and it felt like freedom. And then I was very much so okay with not asking a whole lot of questions that were unnecessary to try to figure out, Mm. And so in my mind, it was like, okay, well, I didn't want a relationship, but I'm here. And then when you proposed, the excitement that came over (laughs) me was like, who is this? Like, you crying? And I used to always watch videos of women cry when they got married, and it just did nothing for me. I never thought that that would be me. But our connection and you knowing that, my spirit wanted that and needed that, even though I had convinced myself that I didn't, it just felt like being chosen to the ultimate degree, mm-hmm. which is a wound that I have worked through for a very long time and still work through at times, um, not feeling chosen. And that moment was like, just feeling chosen by the person that you love and would love to spend your life with. I was literally on top of the moon that was right there in our ceremony mm-hmm. and when you say that um you know ancestors were there with us it felt like ancestors angels mm-hmm. any any beautiful entity that was there to congratulate us was all mm-hmm. there watching and so that was I got home we played our song when I was little I used to always say when I get married I'm gonna play uh uh what's his name With the, bald head, the yeah yeah what's his name Kenny Lattimore, yeah, Kenny Lattimore. I'm going to play Kenny Lattimore. So he played Kenny Lattimore the whole way driving back to our villa. And then we also played it again in our villa and like like slow dance. Yeah, we slow danced and did a lot of other things afterwards (laughs) too.
1: (laughs) And mind you, like, you know, she got little hands and I ain't know what size ring they got. I got the smallest one I could get ring still baggy she don't care she just all out here in the middle of the island we get back we big battle rap fans it was a huge event i mean we had got some island pizza we lit yep. she, i got the battles going after you know we kind of just settled down she just prancing all up just she ain't caring about no type battle
0: i was dancing around that whole place i didn't hear nothing right. else was going on
1: right but some of the the small <laughs> moments of in intimacy like We talked in our last podcast about, oh no, last night on the IG Live about the ethos. Yeah. And I'll bring that up again in this one for those that didn't see that. Our first date and our first time being intimate was in a space that we call the ethos. There are five elements according to certain spiritual sciences. Of course, we all know the four, um, fire, water, earth, and air. The fifth element is called ether, Um, like Plato and Socrates. That's what they pretty much call the divine force that's flowing through everything. So being that we 1,400 miles away, when we started to cultivate this relationship, before we even knew that's what it was, um, I was just compelled. And this was sparked, like I go back a little bit further, when I really got into quantum entanglement. And yes. that was one of the first articles I sent her that made us vibe. Yeah,
0: because um, I, when I saw that he was into quantum entanglement, I'm like, oh, I love the idea of quantum entanglement. Anything quantum that type of realm of existence Mm. i've studied that so deeply so to know that he also studied was like oh man somebody who can have the same conversation with me as i have with myself
1: right so with that being said quantum entanglement is pretty much um the observation of you know quantum mechanic scientists and stuff like that have witnessed and observed celestial bodies on opposite ends of the universe not just galaxy opposite ends of the Mm -hmm. universe that are in unison, undeniably connected, move and shift in the same ways. And it's a complete science on this. Um, I think uh, Einstein called this spooky movement at a distance or something like that. So y'all could look up the mechanics of, of quantum entanglement. But I say that to say way before she came around, um, when I really started to throw myself into these tools and techniques, I came upon a technique that was given to me by my spirit called energetic hugs. And at that point, I'm not teaching meditation for a living. I'm still broke, disability, all that stuff. And on Facebook, I just start saying, if anybody need a hug anywhere in the country right now, do this experiment with me, and one by one. Of course, mostly women, one by one, they started to be like, all right, let's try it. Mm -hmm. And they would feel it. And I was doing this you know, free of charge for like a year. So I already knew that this was not just something you read in a book or in an article. So I remember I was compelled to say, you know what? Let's go into the ethos. Mm -hmm. And we gave ourselves like five, seven minutes or something like that. And we both had pretty much the same experience, ended up on Saturn, of all the places in the universe for your imagination and your consciousness to take you to. 1,400 miles away, we end up at the same space. And in that moment, it was our first time having sex. Of course, it wasn't physical. Mm -hmm. But when you understand how real energy is, spirit is, that experience felt just as real as any time we've engaged in the actual flesh. So moments like that, dancing to Kenny Lattimore before we even went to St. John's, we would right. have moments we had to be creative yeah. as far as our time together. So if I'm going into the, to the forest in Jersey, she in Houston, you coming with me? I'm a yeah. film and I'm a yeah. document and talk to you. Uh, let's have a dance night with yeah. we'll song. I mean, uh, go back and forth, trade and song. So already having danced to Kenny Lattimore before I even knew she was gonna be my wife. Yeah. To then having that moment, we really bypass. How much power is available to us beyond the flesh, beyond the physical? And that's kind of what we want to talk about today.
0: Yeah. Um, so I guess we can go ahead and get into the actual topic. I cried after we had sex.
1: Oh, I almost forgot we were about to go there.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so you
1: have the floor. Let's yeah. talk about it. So,
0: you know, I guess before we speak about anything, for the most part, we have to give a backstory. My history with, sex in general has been very performative. Um, all of my past relationships, which I haven't had many, maybe three. And but I've had more um sexual partners, you know, maybe a few more sexual partners to where I would
1: as our cat is eating himself out right now. Well go ahead. Uh,
0: <laughs> tell me. <laughs> and so um with those sexual partners I just Never felt. Um, I never felt safe enough to not perform. Uh, my performance was an act to receive love in return. It felt like what I was supposed to do. So I only remember performing during sex. I I've never before my husband had a sexual experience to where I was fully free. I was fully safe, I was fully liberated. I never had a sexual experience to where I was taken care of, to where they wanted to honor my body and actually warm my body up before we got to a sexual experience. I never had someone like kiss me, kiss my neck, and you know, just like touch on me and things like that before a sexual experience. So I just knew how to give, and do and perform and make the sounds and moans and in hopes that that person would not choose another person over me so it was very performative and so as I met my husband he had a lot of encouragement for me to just explore myself in general before I met my husband I was uh, like 60 pounds overweight and still on my journey I've been on my journey for over 10 years and but at that time I had a mirror that didn't go past mm-hmm. my my shoulders so I hadn't seen myself and I've been also single and not sexually active for that past 4 years and so I hadn't seen my body from my shoulders down in four years since I gained Mm. 60 pounds and so when I met my husband our healing accelerated on a different level the time just sped up and I started to form a really deep relationship with myself and he gave me an idea he was like you should go buy a mirror a full length mirror and I did and then I was like oh look you look kind of good, you know? And once I started to (laughs) really fall in love with myself, the emotional weight that I was carrying started to fall off without going to the gym. Mm -hmm. And I started to, you know, you started to say as far as like lingerie and stuff, color. And All she wore was black. Yeah. All I wore was black. And um, I just felt like black, made me invisible it made the fat invisible and it just felt like the only thing that didn't highlight the areas of myself that i wasn't comfortable with and so he's like maybe you should get something pink or something white i'm like pink and white right And then I was like, well, maybe I should get something pink and white. And so I started getting lingerie that was colorful and bright and vibrant. And then it was like, well, let me put some oil on and send him a couple pictures. And I started feeling even more comfortable to show myself and show my body and have that that freedom and just exploring myself. And then once our relationship started to progress in our sexual experience, I realized that there was no desire or even program for me to show up and perform mm. I, during our sexual experiences.
1: Absolutely. And even in that process, I remember sometimes, <clears throat> excuse me, you would call me um, or just text me or, you know, send the, uh, the videos on uh, Instagram. But you would, it got to the point where it went beyond accommodating what I was asking for. It got to the point where you were starting to be able to be playful with exploring all these different versions of the new version of yourself. Mm-hmm. And this is before, your, you know, the shifts in your body and all these different things. This was just the psychological, emotional, energetic playfulness. Your in a child, even though we're talking about sex and a lot of people think these are two different things. For the best sex your inner child has to be involved absolutely so as you putting on different colors it's like you playing house playing barbie mm-hmm. with yourself this beautiful mm-hmm. black barbie is now being able to crack herself open and realize the potential of what's already here and even though there were things that you felt like needed changes you were able to see and be comfortable yeah with where you where you were at that time because for a long time you wanted the breast reduction mm-hmm. that you eventually ended up getting but it when i first met you when we would talk about it the I think desperation is too strong of a word, but you was gung ho like, nah, I want this. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: It never stopped being something that you wanted. But I remember the day where you was like, you know what? If I gotta wait another two, three, four, five years, it is what it is. I'm comfortable with myself right yeah. now. So watching you start to go through that evolution beyond what was, of course, working for me, mm-hmm. um, to see you start to blossom within and for yourself, to yourself, that was a beautiful process to watch. And all of these types of moments, where you always say, this is provision.
0: Absolutely. A lot
1: of women and society and a lot of men have accepted this program. The only ways we can provide is to physically protect, of course, provide financially and be good in the bedroom. There are all these pockets when somebody is under that conditioning that a man can overlook and bypass where it takes being in touch with your feminine side, in touch with energy and emotion to understand the things your lady may need, which eventually trickles into moments like, crying during and after sex we don't have that if she don't feel safe with me on multiple levels and we don't have that safety without these small moments where my spirit is like go get a mirror or her spirit is telling me celebrate your wins or whatever it is it just opens up more and more safety more freedom and when you got that you know anything goes when it comes time to to get to it
0: yeah Yeah. and so in those moments where I'm exploring having you know different colors in lingerie, then it started to trickle down into, like I said, me losing weight. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, well, I can actually fit certain types of clothes mm-hmm. now. And then the clothing that I wore was more playful. And so it felt like I was in an adventure with mm-hmm. myself. And having the safe space of my husband being like, nah, mm. do you mm-hmm. like, wear the colors and you know, do this and everything that I put on, he was admiring and in admiration of, which just get, like gave me even more ump to, like, I think I want to explore this or I think I want to wear my hair like this. And so, having that type of freedom and liberation coming from a very closed off shell, mm. and you know, I have a background of military yeah. 10 years 7 years as a police officer so since I've been 18 years old I've been in a masculine uniform yeah. and I haven't had the ability to <laughs> tap into my femininity at all even though I'm very soft in many ways but in those ways even when it comes down to me getting my nails done now doing my toes now I'm still working on exploring the adventure of being feminine in those aspects and I had none of that so that's why it was easy for me to just wear black and now when you're wearing color you start to feel more womanly you start to feel a lot more feminine and soft and then you can welcome in love a lot differently you can allow yourself to receive love a lot easier and so my husband was holding such beautiful space for me to explore these uncharted territories and he was um, really in- inspiring me to continue to go into these spaces and explore my body and so now when we you know start to have our sexual experiences I realize like even every more and more every time that we would have sex I would let go even more Mm -hmm. and you know it's it's, (laughs) it's very noticeable when you're having a sexual experience when you're in your head and I recognize that more and more each time I was less in my head and more in our experience and Mm -hmm. our sexual experience our spiritual experience and I had never orgasmed before until the night that um we had our ceremony on honeymoon beach right that was my first time ever experiencing an orgasm and it felt as if that i my soul needed to be nurtured in that way for me to feel safe enough and free enough to even give myself permission to allow myself to have an orgasm with someone. It had to be him. Mm. No one else was allowed to access that energy. No one else was allowed to um, nurture that type of energy. Nobody had the capacity to nurture that type of energy within me. And so now in our sexual experiences, I'm fully liberated and still finding more ways to be liberated. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I I recognize that in those moments where I was in other relationships, like being on top Mm -hmm. was, and I had never had sex sober. Mm -hmm. I'm five years sober in March. Thank you, baby. Mm -hmm. But before my husband, I had never had sex sober. I was always drunk every single person I was always intoxicated and I needed to drink to Mm. actually get me through the act. yeah. Yeah. To perform. I was never, it was never me in those moments. It was the person I had to become to get through those moments. And so now with my husband, I'm fully present in every single space and even like with something it's like with the artists. Have you ever seen when an artist has all of this confidence when they're on stage. Mm-hmm. And then the the second they get off stage, Bulls. they get shy. Bulls. And it's like, oh, yeah, they shrink. And so in those relationships, when I was performing, it was like it looked as if I had so much confidence. Right. And now that I'm not performing, I see how... Um, there's a lot of vulnerability Mm -hmm. in me showing up and being able to initiate. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of vulnerability in me showing up and being able to be on top, Mm -hmm. which I'm still, you know, learning how to do. But this past experience that we had after we had our sexual, um, you know, the ending, Mm I, I cried Mm -hmm. and it felt like bliss. That was the only way that I could, um explain what I felt it just felt blissful and I've always seen you know women on movies cry after they had sex and Mm -hmm. I'm like what like I could never You you
1: literally said because we wasn't done we was getting towards that point but you was like why am I crying yeah you literally asked like why am I crying and then it just kind of opened up the floodgates yeah and it's crazy even in the first time you did climax um and I've said this for a while now, that no man can make a woman climax.
0: Absolutely.
1: Um, at least not just with, you know, our man-mans. It's, it's not about that. You, they have to go to an extremely deep level of safety and freedom to get to that point. And, you know, we always talk about the fact that whenever you do climax as a man or a woman, where is that sensation felt? It's felt inside of you. So you may feel like I got assistance or this person is doing it for me or doing it to me, but that's still something from within you that you put yourself in a proper position, no pun intended, the proper position and mm-hmm. place and energy to open up what's already in you. So I can't even like, you know, take credit. Oh yeah, I'm the one that cracked the code. It wasn't about that. It was about those moments. Dancing to Kenny Lattimore, go mm-hmm. get the mirror. Um, The moments where very early on, I was going to see um, a female friend of mine, never anything extracurricular with her, but I just felt compelled to let her know 1,400 miles away, two months into a non-relationship. I'm about to go check my homegirl to talk about some business stuff and catch up. You okay with that? Does that make you feel uncomfortable? Mm-hmm. These are the moments that was present on a conscious and subconscious and unconscious level in a moment where she was able to open up. And I'm still having flashbacks. That's why I had to kind of like put my head down <laughs> when you were talking about it. But the scenery, uh, the same like it was just so crazy. And I remember even in that moment, like the the... I won't say the first stage of you opening up but one of the big stages of you opening up you know i'm i'm vocal if you know i'm I'm like that there was a time where i was just running through women and i would be silent i ain't saying nothing i'm just trying to get mine
0: yeah
1: um so when i'm there with you i'm gonna be vocal and I remember you starting to open up your vocality yeah. in that moment. And we just, you know, we talk and I talk to each right. other. And we outside. <laughs> Facts. Outside. In the mountains. In the mountains, in the jungle, <laughs> beautiful Airbnb. Nobody could see us. Night, summer, St. John's air. Yeah. And we was able to, like, you know, just really let loose. Um, so to see you open up to that degree from that point. And before we even got there, the, the times and the ethos. The mm-hmm. dates we were going, of course, the only way we could engage in more physical sex was via, you know, the phone and sending pictures and still using our imagination. But to get from all of that to where we were that night, the night, you know, we made this official under God, to then going all the way to the crying. And, and something happened after the crying, too. Yeah. Last week. Um And you said you wanted to talk about it, too. Um, Wasn't crying. Um
0: what was it? Cause we always have so many like beautiful experiences that kind of like blend into right. one another. I know right. you gonna remember. Yeah, it'll
1: come back to me. It'll come yeah,
0: back. so I'll I'll continue mm-hmm. uh, my thought because I do. I want to know yeah, what it yeah, is. Yeah, no doubt. And um, you know, after crying in that moment you recognize that all of the provision has finally come to fruition. All of the safety has finally come to fruition, but also all of the work that I've done within myself, Mm. it is a indication of how safe I feel in my body. Mm. And that is a a indication of the safety that I've also provided for myself to be able to let go and enjoy Mm. pleasure. Which also sent me down a rabbit hole of after experiencing that, of the idea of pleasure and the ways that I experience pleasure on a daily basis and the ways that I block my opportunities Mm. from being able to experience pleasure. Mm. And so one of the things when it comes to pleasure, we think about sex and sex only, but my idea of pleasure and pleasure leading into blissful moments is if if uncomfortable emotions arise, having harmony to be able to just ride through those waves right. with ease, that seems like pleasure to me, but it requires me to do the emotional healing work from the past, right. so when these present moments come up, I can easefully guide my way through them. Pleasure also looks like, like now, really being mindful of the food that I'm intaking. So every day that, thank you baby, Mm. every day that comes by, I'm able to really enjoy my day without being fatigued, without um, having emotions that are unregulated because the food is still processing in my digestive system, not having issues with my digestive system, not having issues with my skin, Doing things that are now clearing my pathway exactly. to provide pleasure for me at all given times, and that also require me to acknowledge what are the things that I'm doing that are hindering my ability to receive pleasure mm. and to experience bliss day by day. Right? Food is something that was hindering my ability and blocking my pathway to experience pleasure. Right. Um, you know, maybe not being consistent with my spiritual practices. And so that moment with us sharing that pleasurable and that blissful moment was like, how can I continue Mm. to experience this on a daily basis? it has been a shift. That dot
1: is just connecting as you say.
0: Yeah. Even from that, I created an altar in our home to where we have a beautiful space. We can go sit at and honor God and feel God's presence. And my husband even said it feels like his throne in our home and so so many aspects of you know what has felt like this will continue to provide us pleasure day by day as long as I get these things out of the way I stay balanced with my food I stay balanced with my physical or my spiritual practices when anything comes about I can experience bliss on a daily basis it doesn't have to just be in sexual acts with my husband when i'm able to orgasm
1: right and even you going back and forth in your mind maybe two three days ago you was already maybe three four uh, days into your shift into your balance um uh, relationship we're eating right now Mm -hmm. and you was like you know what i think i want some ramen today yeah and of course ramen is not not healthy like especially the one we get It's, it's this vegan spot Shout yeah, out to rakan ramen if y'all in houston go over there we ain't even gonna trip about y'all sending us a check what it Free do mail. You know what, I mean? what it do <laughs> facts but even that wasn't anything that was unhealthy but she was just going back and forth with her within herself is this too heavy for me to intake right now
0: yeah and
1: i you know i sat there i talked with her through it and it got to the point where my guidance was just about reflecting what she may not have realized the spirit was already saying because she's going through all these scenarios of you know i don't want to feel heavy the next couple of days i feel so beautiful i'm and light i'm like that's what you're supposed to do then yeah so like yeah you know what you're right and then out of that came the fear of the old program which yes. was you know you would talk about the addictive behavior you Absolutely. used to function in because right. that's not the case no more right but within that paradigm it was all or nothing. If I'm gonna eat ice cream, I'm gonna eat ice cream yes. every day, five, six days straight, this, that, and the third. So now being in this, this window of I'm eating good, I don't wanna eat ramen, and then fall completely off the horse, right. I had the reminder like, that's not the belief system you have to continue to carry. Right. And she started to cry in that moment. These are the little pockets that you know result in moments like in actual physical intercourse. And even as the crying started to happen, My job was to stay in it, right? Make sure beyond anything physical that there's a release happening here. So I need to hold space. I need to hold the foundation for her to continue to get that out. And as I'm in it, I'm just, you know, massaging her back, stopping, you know, uh, breathing her breath, making sure she's good to continue to allow that emotional release to happen through the sex. People laugh at Kevin Gates a lot. And I'm going to remix something he said. He says, you know, when he got some 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 good something in front of him, he prays beforehand. Mm. I'm going to go a step further. I feel like when sex is balanced between two people that are supposed to be connected and aligned, sex is prayer itself. Absolutely. So when you have these pockets that you're not bypassing and you're doing all this clearing of space, we talk about addictive behaviors. I said this in a live last night. Um, the dopamine that we are constantly strung out on, there's so many different ways why our dopamine uh, neurotransmitters are stimulating us from the the foods we eat how much we um, scroll online the likes the comments binge watching shows um, the smoking the nicotine the drinking constant stimulation and down regulation is when your dopamine receptors get so stimulated that they need more to be able to produce the same pleasure so at this point we realize that Turning away from that never ending cycle is what really opens you up to what I call the top shelf levels of pleasure, of bliss, of at our base level, we still gonna have peace. It may not be bliss every day, yeah, but so we are maybe. never going to go below peace into the spaces we used to go to because we reverse the stream from chasing these momentary blips of pleasure to now understanding that there's something more permanent that's constantly on tap if I continue to clear the space. In an article I read last night, dopamine receptors can die. They can be severely injured. But even the ones that are severely injured, they can be repaired. But the study said it took about 12 months to repair it back to its full uh, level. I did a year of celibacy. Mm-hmm. I mean, so reading that, it's just like, yo, if you really do the work, if you really scale back and redirect your intention towards things that are going to sustain themselves, that's going to trickle not only into your bedroom with randoms, that's going to open up the portals to the type of love I never thought existed beyond a fairy tale or a movie and vice versa.
0: Yeah. And I think what really has to happen instead of. Allowing the pleasures that ultimately um, are distractions. And like I love to say, distractions don't feel like distractions until they're done distracting. you. And so a lot of the pleasures that people have and a lot of the fun sexual experiences, they don't recognize that they can have those pleasures in other formats. And to me, pleasure feels like ease. It feels like mm-hmm. doing what I need to do in these moments. Right. So in my future moments, I can explore those types of pleasures without um, without it hindering my bliss. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, like I said, really being able to identify what is holding me back from being able to experience these types of pleasures? Because it doesn't have to always be something that's on 10. It doesn't have to be, um, drinking alcohol. It doesn't have to be smoking weed. It doesn't have to be sex. Pleasure could feel like, man, I had a very easy day. I had an emotional day, but I handled those emotions very well. Someone mistreated me, but I have clarity on on the situation, and so when you are really Mm -hmm. maneuvering in a way that is conducive Mm -hmm. to pleasure always being there and having the capacity to be able to see pleasure in different formats, because normally it's like love, we only see love to be when it comes from a romantic partner. And so any other situation outside of that doesn't really feel like love. Like I love to say, when someone's holding the door open for you um, so you don't have to open it yourself, that's still a form of love. And it is the same type of love that you would experience with someone you're in a romantic relationship with. And so when we stop taking a priority off of what feels like what we know to be pleasure and acknowledging all of the other aspects of life that's kind of showing us this is pleasurable too. You just have to reprogram the mindset. It doesn't have to just be sex. It could be having watermelon that feels Hmm. so nourishing Hmm. and watermelon that feels so juicy that it, that you feel proud of yourself Hmm. for making a decision that actually honors your being and i think that you know our moment in me experiencing that type of pleasure and that bliss it gave me the opportunity to really hone in on how can i experience more of this in mm-hmm. so many other ways and actually be intentional about me experiencing pleasure creating the format for me to experience pleasure even when it comes down to the the ramen mm-hmm. i recognize that if i eat eat heavy Um, multiple days out of the week, I don't get to be my highest self. I don't get to feel like the best version of myself. I don't look the best version of myself. It shows up on my face. And so my, um, my change is okay i'll give myself once a week Mm -hmm. to explore something heavy but that's how i provide for myself so the rest of the week i can feel blissful i can wake up at six in the morning and go to the gym and have. All of this energy, my skin can look how I want it to go, um, look how I want it to look. I can write in my journal and be 100 percent present in my clarity. And it's all because I'm providing for myself in these many ways.
1: Absolutely. And even what you were saying about uh, the person holding the door open. I just had a session with somebody last week and we kind of coined it as you're missing the love that's available to you in the five second soulmate. So for that five seconds while that person is holding open the door, that's God accommodating for you.
0: Absolutely. That's the
1: a small smidget, a microcosm of the big love that we be looking for and soulmate connections and twin flames. You're not gonna access that if you're not gonna acknowledge that person opening that door. You don't access that in my particular way of not having not going in my car without having something to give a homeless person if I cross them. Mm-hmm. You've seen me do this, my son right. now is like, Dad, let's give something to the homeless people. I'm always looking for ways to love on quote unquote others, understanding that we are in this unified field of love, just like what quantum entanglement talks about. So anybody I show love, I'm showing it to myself. Anybody that shows love to me is showing it to themselves and we are the conglomerate of this oneness and all these little microcosms. It's like when you look through the kaleidoscope is one light in all these different colors. It's the same principle. So when you start to tap into that and you really start to uncover The subtler layers of love and um, in yoga, there are two different types of energy. A lot of different ways you can compartmentalize the two types. But at the base level, you have gross, not meaning nasty. You have gross, meaning like overt, physical, dense. Mm -hmm. We are in the gross aspect of our consciousness being in physical reality. You have subtle. So the more you start to clear space, the more that subtle energy starts to come online for you. And you realize, one, how lit it is. How powerful it is, is, how much you no longer have to jeopardize your peace to have it, and then how abundant and always available it is to you. And the more you start to dig into that, and I feel like this is why when people get older, the club is not as entertaining no more. People hit, you know, mid-30s. Um, early 40s, it's like, uh, I don't really feel like doing that. Y'all may make plans at the last minute, like, I ain't going. And you get excited about being able to <laughs> stay in your bed and popcorn and watch Netflix, yep. right? Even when we got somebody coming through um, your little situation shit, you know, the girl coming over with her overnight bag and y'all about to get it popping and y'all do. Throughout the day, a huge part of what we fantasizing about ain't even the physical sex, is when we get to lay afterwards. Yeah. If you don't got nobody coming through, if you're just at work and you can't wait to get home to just rest in your bed, when you go to the deepest levels of pleasure, it's really about openness. It's really about emptiness, stillness, clarity. We have gotten convoluted with all the things society has told us is the real litness, and there's nothing wrong with those things. Enjoy them while you got them. But at the end of the day, the more you reverse the stream... The smaller and smaller examples of what you thought was boring before is now like, nah, this is paradise. I would have never wanted to go to no damn Death Valley <laughs> or um, Lake Mead and stuff like that 10 years ago. This is mm-hmm. stuff that I saw on TV, like, all right, that's cool on the screen. I don't wanna go there. What are we gonna do? Right, like, right. It's nothing there. Now to have that experience where my wife takes me there and it's complete bliss. With just nature and the beauty of what God has created, the silence, the deafening, the loud, the loudest silence I've ever heard in my life. If I had nothing else, if we didn't go explore or nothing, if I just got to experience that, that was going to be bliss for me. But these are the moments that we have taken advantage of and not bypassed to get us to the point to realize it's always available to you.
0: Yeah. And I also think the relationship with freedom the relationship with self liberation and the relationship with self because you can only meet another person as deeply as you met yourself Mm. which means that to feel liberated during any experience specifically a sexual experience to feel that freedom to feel that pleasure Mm. this has to be a world a reality that you have spent intentional time with Cultivating inside yourself to go to the depths of your being to be able to to thrive in your hell and also to be able to thrive in your heaven. And so that also looks like creating that real deep, authentic relationship with yourself acknowledging what you like and what you don't like, how you like to be touched, how you don't like to be touched, um, how you like to be spoken to. And also what I like to tell my clients is creating a love Bible. Mm. And this looks like what feels like love to me. Mm. And when you acknowledge all the ways that feel like love to you, you can receive it and you can show up in it. And so what looked like and sounded like and felt like love to you at 21 is not going to sound like love, feel and be love at the age of 33. And so when you start to create a love Bible of what you want for yourself, how you want to treat yourself, how you want others to treat you, you start to see love differently, not just in the way that it was given to you on TV or programmed into you based on movies and songs. And you get to show up in loving environments more freely, more liberated. And then when it comes to the aspect of nature, being able to allow nature to be almost like a mirror of all the areas that love is 1000% available. When you go out into nature to heal, grow, evolve or form a deeper relationship with spirit and God it's inevitable that you see how everything is love, how everything is directly connected. This is why quantum entanglement right. is beautiful because now And, like, if you look on my videos, I spent a a few months, like, doing my healing in mountains. Mm. It was a a mountain I was in in Glacier National Park. I was there for a few months just spending time by myself. And I see a bear and uh, its baby, its cub, you know, walking side by side across the street. And you're able to see the love in that pairing and how I just had this beautiful experience with nature which opens the door for me to have a beautiful experience with myself. Like, Oh my God, I'm so brave. Mm. I'm out here in the mountains for a month, two months at a time by myself. I'm doing these things by myself in nature. And then you're able to see the love in environment, the love in other relationships. Then you're able to see the God in all of relationships. So when it's time for you to start to, you know, and people say all the time, I want to find a relationship like yours. Hmm. When it's time for you to be a part of a relationship, you've already cultivated so much love within yourself when people show up. They have no choice but to show up and reflect the love that you are already emitting. They have no choice but to show up and reflect the freedom that you're already in. And they have no choice but to reflect the liberation that you're giving yourself permission to embody.
1: And one of the main things I see on a lot of our posts or, you know, lovey-dovey type of posts on Instagram, the recurring comment, I don't know where it came from. I don't know who started it, but every woman be saying it god i see what you're doing for
0: others (laughs) (laughs) facts yeah Yeah. and
1: i get it but in reference to you talking about nature this just came up too. um one of the greatest aspects or attributes of nature is its scope it's openness Mm -hmm. right and nature is accepting of everything just like you know one of the the things the questions i ask when i'm teaching people meditation to kind of push their mind beyond the minuteness of i'm this body in any room or any place you ever end up in, the most abundant object isn't going to be people. It isn't going to be things or objects or furniture. It's going to be space. So this space was completely different seven, eight months ago before this was built. Absolutely. Right? Space didn't say, no, I don't feel like having a house here. Space was open to it. It accepted whatever needs to come in space. And at a certain point. This structure will fall in a 100 years, 200 years, whatever it is, and space will still be here and it will allow a new shape to be taken. A huge part that's blocking people, I think this is going to be a big one, I have never really said this before, is judgment, is lack of acceptance. And I don't mean like overt judging somebody, I mean those little funny judgments you're making in your head all day, every day about this person doing this or dressing like this, all that stuff y'all do online and piling up on somebody when they have a, a, a funny moment or something like that. These judgments are sending the message to the universe. Um, This, they're there, separation. It's not being tolerant and understanding of how energy needs to flex in all these infinite different ways. So judgment a lot of times puts up these walls where 1,400 miles away, I was in three or four years of not judging anything. It don't mean you just take anything or accept anything into your environment. It means whatever somebody got to do for themselves, you allow them to do that without any ill will towards them. All those little pockets that I started to open up in these ways is what opened up the portal to be able to establish a relationship with somebody that's 1,400 miles away. Right. A lot of my female clients would say, well, docs, ain't no good dudes in Jersey. Ain't no good dudes in Atlanta or whatever it is. If you on your square, if you are taking some of these approaches into account consistently and making your work a matter of life or death, you'll realize if ain't nobody in New Jersey... You gonna for you. You gonna Absolutely. manifest Houston. You ain't never thought about Houston a day in your life, but you did the work to open up these portals. A huge part of that is how much we are constantly judging others and judging ourselves. We telling ourselves, in some way, shape, or form, internally, that internal dialogue that we're not worthy, that we are not deserving of the type of love that our heart is telling us we want, and we do that a lot of times based on mistakes or failures we have made in the past when we keep judging this current version of ourselves based on those things and sending out the message to the universe i'm not worthy of that all these different judgments if you are able to let them go will open up these portals
0: yeah and when we speak about sending out the the message to the universe a lot of people in general are saying i want a relationship like this or i want a relationship in general And they're not conscious of the fact that they're sending mixed signals Mm. because they are using their words and saying, I want a relationship. I want a healthy relationship like this, but, Their behavior towards themselves is showing the universe something completely different. So their words are like, I want something healthy. But then how they love themselves is like, I want somebody who abandons me because you abandon yourself. I want someone who doesn't keep their word to me because you said you were going to start Monday and you never started. Mm. I want someone who betrays me because you betray yourself. You say yes when you really want to say no. I want someone who's going to dishonor me because you dishonor yourself and you put other people first and you don't even acknowledge your needs. And so everything that is coming out of your mouth is not matching your behavior and how you treat yourself and how you show up for yourself and how you love yourself. So you're sending signals to the universe that you do want a toxic relationship. You want an unhealthy relationship. You want someone who treats you how you treat yourself. Right. And that's always what's going to happen. You're going to always attract the partner that is a mirror and directly reflects what you either need to work on or is going to reflect who you are. And so if you are a person who is not showing up for yourself, is not Diving deep into the ways that you need to deeply love yourself, honor yourself, apologize to yourself, mend relationships with yourself, mend um, situations that have happened in your past. You're going to attract partners that also dishonor you. If you don't even give yourself permission to cry, you're going to attract a partner Mm -hmm. that doesn't even have space to hold space for your emotional moments. If you don't give yourself permission to be in flow, you're going to have someone who is probably pressuring you to just not do anything, to rest, to be still so they can show you all the areas that you're out of alignment in your life. And so the only way that you can attract the type of love that you desire and the type of love that you truly want is you have to start showing up for yourself and loving yourself the way that you wish another person would love you.
1: And I remember um, speaking to Shino, I had found an old picture of me at my high school graduation. And she's looking at the picture and she's looking at me, looking at the picture. She's like, that's not you. I'm like, what you mean? Yes, it is. And she's like, yo, look at yourself. Look at your your facial features. Look at your bone structure. Look at how your eyes are shaped, all these different things. And I'm starting to look at it. And it's like, I know that's me when I was 18 years old, but it really didn't look like me. That was the first time I kind of came face to face with the fact that we have the ability to change our DNA within a lifetime. Um, if you, of course, take this work seriously, of course, a lot of people know about epigenetics, right? Mm-hmm. The the information that, you know, makes somebody susceptible from You know, uh, their lineage to be prone to be alcoholics or drug abusers, substance abusers, all these different things in your DNA that information is stored. Usually it takes a few generations. The church calls it generational curses. So all these different terms, but you can reverse that depending on how hard you go within a lifetime. And I remember as you were saying that my 13 year relationship that I always talk about that kind of cracked me open. Mind you, at the end of it, when we was kind of going back and forth, trying to make it work, trying to not make it work, um, she had went back to the dude I, quote unquote, took her from. This man went to jail for literally trying to kill her, right? Um, At a certain point, to break the bond that we had, I admitted that I was cheating at the time with a bunch of different women. My spirit knew that there would be no coming back from that. But we still went on about a year and a half to two year journey of trying to figure it out. It was already uh, irreprehensible damage, my bad. But I remember at certain moments where I was getting accustomed to the fact that like, yo, she's really with this dude and there's nothing I can do to change this situation. It would still be those times where my fingers would literally start to text to tell her I miss her or whatever it may be. This version of myself that I ended up becoming was literally at war with the old version that would have stayed that person And I had to come to grips with the fact, just like you did in that moment of am I going to ramen or not? Do I want to continue the cycle I've been in for 13 years with a person that's not a bad person, but is obviously not meant for what I want out of love and out of my life for a moment of laying with her, for a moment of having sex with her again or whatever it may be. Am I really going to continue this cycle for another month, another year, another 13 years at this point? And those decisions are what opened up this new version of myself. I was 40 pounds heavy at that time. All this weight, darkness under my eyes, like you talk about. I'm a completely different being. People that knew me from back then and come face to face with me right now, it's like, yo, who are you? These are the moments where you are able to unlock new versions of yourself. And when you do that, you unlock new communities. You unlock new levels of tribe, new levels of love and relationships.
0: And that's another thing when um, you and I first got together, you um, were some time out of ending your past mm-hmm. relationship. I was four years into being by myself. Mm-hmm. But another thing happens when you are loving yourself properly mm-hmm. and when the person that you have chosen to interact with is also loving you properly. Mm-hmm. Who you are does start to change how you mm-hmm. look definitely starts to change so if you are privy to my journey i've been kind of a different person every year of my life i've looked different or i've looked the worst and just recently the past four years every year i look like a completely Mm -hmm. different person but as you and i started to exchange energy people started to acknowledge like oh look right you look different right And so the glow glow and and people would see you and be like, "Okay, Candace, Mm -hmm. I see your work. Mm -hmm. But what they see is how I was loving you properly in the way that you deserve to be loved and how that does change the aura. It changes changes your energetic field. It changes how people see you. And so people don't understand that when someone sees you, they see how you feel about yourself. Mm -hmm. And not only do they see how you feel about yourself they see what's encoded in your spirit in that moment. Mm. They see all of the open wounds, they see all of the trauma, and they may not be able to diagnose exactly what it is, but they see it on you. Mm. And that is the energy that you give off, it's the pheromones that you give off, they Mm. can smell it as well. And so when you're being loved properly and when you're loving yourself properly, it changes how people see you. You literally become a different person to you because your aura has opened up. You become more receiving for those people to love you in the way that you deserve to be loved. They're able to hold space for you in the way that you deserve for someone to hold space for you. Because now your energy is exuding an energy of love and not an energy of self-sabotage or not not an energy of allowing people to run over you and treat you any kind of way. And so when we started to share our energy, the healing that we were already doing in our individual selves, but the healing that we were doing for one another, everyone around us started to pick up on that right. energy and started to complement that energy. Because also when it comes to who you are attracting, they are paying attention to the energy that your heart Is Mm -hmm. giving off. And so if you have a wounded heart, you think that you're giving somebody the googly eyes, Mm -hmm. and they literally are picking up on the fact that it looks like gargoyles coming out of your spirit. And so you're like, oh, they ghosted me. They didn't answer the phone. How come they don't never text back? And maybe I should text them first. They're picking up on the fact that there's so much woundedness on your heart. It's clogging your auras, clogging your energetic field. And this is a part of the reason why people don't attract the type of love friendships, relationships, opportunities that they want because they are oblivious to the type of energy that they're exuding because they have not sat down to do the emotional healing work and they are refusing to love themselves properly Mm. and they are giving that task and that job to someone else so they can love them for them. And that just does not work in the arena of love.
1: Absolutely. And then when you do do the work, and freedom starts to become available to you in different ways in your life, you got to be prepared for the freedom. You got to know how to handle the freedom because after the relationship with my son's mother, and, you know, people kind of looked at it strangely because I was a good seven, eight months into that shift, that separation, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, when I started to pop up with you, even a bit longer after that, it was like, well, this was kind of quick. Like you said, we are on different timelines. When you take your healing seriously, moment to moment, you kind of expedite the process. Absolutely. It don't take you ten years to mend a broken heart. I was in that thing day in and day out, uh, you know, d- doing self scrutiny, self examination, sitting with my sitting with my emotions, and that opened up a level of freedom energetically where the initial wave of what I felt when I told my son's mother, like, nah, we can't do this no more. I felt like I failed. I felt like I failed as a man, as a husband-to-be. As a father, I'm about to break up my home. Had that not happened, Lord knows what could have happened as far as us damaging each other emotionally, energetically, even physically, or what could have happened with my son if we were still in that environment. I see now that it has worked out for everybody. But in that interim, when I was in a beautiful space, before Candace showed up, I was entertaining someone. Never got to the point of us getting sexual, But there was something in like, I guess my soul already felt yours downloading Mm. because I had freedom. I had complete autonomy to make that choice to go further with that particular woman. She was cool and all of that. But when it would get down to it, it was something in me with all the freedom in the world that said, nah, not here, not yet, not this had I. Put energy into that. I know she don't pop up on my timeline. I know I don't pop up on hers. I know we don't get to that point. So it's one thing to clear the energies. It's another thing when you now have the responsibility of having the freedom and you no longer can rely on what the Bible said. You right. can't rely on what the Nation of Islam or the, you know, the hoteps and all. You have to make your own Bible now. You have to structure literally piece by piece, atom by atom, choice by choice, your own universe now. Now you are God, and you got to know how to handle that freedom, and really have a, a ear turned inward, and and that comes with the meditation, that comes with the hours of silence. When I met her, she was doing every single morning before she would even pick up a phone. She ha- she's having an hour of internal listening. You got to kind of sit your butt down and learn how to listen to that inner voice.
0: Yeah, and you know the four years that I was single. I had to sit down and it wasn't an intentional, Oh, I'm going to be single for four years. I'm not going to have sex for four years so I can manifest a relationship. It was solely because I knew that solitude, stillness in nature Was exactly what my soul was begging me for so it could heal in the capacity it needed to heal. And so when you chose to start to move forward with me and other people, um, you know, didn't like that to be quite frank, them, them, them people ain't know me. <laughs> They're like, where the hell she come right. from? And so what they don't understand, because most people are speaking regurgitated information. They're talking about healing. Mm-hmm. They can teach you how to heal. They can read all the stuff out of the books and they can regurgitate it because they have a beautiful memory. But nine times out of 10, these people are not actually doing right. the healing work that they are telling you to do. And so what people realize if you are really doing the healing work, what takes you five years to heal, takes me two hours. What takes you five months to finally acknowledge takes me 10 minutes. Exactly. All it takes is for me to deep, deep, deep cry. And I'm good. All I need is a day of right. silence without moving, giving myself permission to allow my soul to purge. And my healing has already take, taken place. And that's because we have done the work to really sit with ourselves, to not be afraid of ourselves to not be afraid of our darkness. What people like to call shadow work to not, run from ourselves and most people run from themselves. So they don't understand how when you are deeply in solitude and deeply in stillness and deeply in silence, how that speeds up your ability to heal what people would call emotional pain, emotional trauma and emotional wounds. So you didn't need five years to sit around and soak and be sad and be angry and hold grudges and come to terms because every single moment was the moment of you doing that. In my four years by myself, every single moment was a moment of me doing that. Even if I had to call off work to say, you know what? I need a full day Mm. to honor the fact that I need to cry all day long without having to shut it off and act like nothing was wrong with me. Mm. And that's the part that I feel like people just really didn't understand is how Time is different right. for us. And when you are really intentional about doing your healing work, that, that that time really speeds up your process of healing.
1: And you're not wasting time. You're not wasting energy. So pretty much based on quantum entanglement, our spin matched.
0: Absolutely. In, in all of
1: the cosmos, you got this being Doc's over here, Candice over here. We were at the exact, exact spin. And now 1,400 miles don't exist. And a huge part of that is not wasting time and energy. And when you start to get familiar and established and comfortable with stillness and silence, that's a practice. You don't just jump off the porch and like, okay, I can be still for an hour. It hurts. It does. It's excruciating. and The mind goes eight, right? But when you do get established in it, you start to realize how empty, how frivolous a lot of our conversation is. Um, Not, you know, relationship wise, but just in general, we just be small talking and every time you small talk, you got new thoughts coming in that are sparking memories, that are sparking projections of the future. So just to have a regular conversation, there's still a war happening between the spirit and the mind, spirit wanting to be present. And now your mind is going all over the place. I got to make accommodations to be able to have some of the conversations I do. It's one of my female friends from Jersey. Shout out to Indigo. She hit me. About a week ago, um, I knew I didn't have the capacity yet to have whatever conversation we was going to have. I had it yesterday. We had our beautiful moment. But you start to realize that I'm wasting a lot of my attention and my time with just talking, with just filling the silence with something. It's to the point before I moved here, you know, I don't know as many people in the Houston community yet. But, you know, anytime I'm anywhere in Jersey and you already could have tested it, sometimes in New York, somebody always know me that's usually turning into some type of conversation. So there will be times where I'm in my community, I'm in Newark, going to familiar places, and people are, what's up docs? And trying to spark up a conversation. And I'm like, day of silence, regardless of where I'm at, I'm gonna appease what my spirit wants for me today. Whether I'm around people or not, I'm not gonna let the pressure of just talking infiltrate what my spirit is asking of me. So these are the levels of sacrifice you gotta make And when you do that, you go from the healing to the freedom to starting to understand how to handle the freedom. And then you go to a certain sense of programlessness. The things that may have worked for you four or five years ago, four or five months ago, four or five days ago, now you have the ability to allow those things to shift when your spirit tells you to do so. As far as sex, you know, months at a time of semen retention. And not just because we was in two different places, um that was just part of my regiment for a long time now i'm in a space where you know we, we turning up a lot more than we have been used to been doing uh doing previously and a part of that is my spirit saying yo you got a wife now bro like this is what you've been asking for for your whole life there's a yeah. new program available to you you could sit there and honor what you the used same to do
0: program like how with with my food with, with yeah. the food and
1: there was a certain point where you even had a conversation with me and you were saying,
0: I'm a young tender.
1: I'm a, I'm a young tender. It was a lot more to the right. conversation. <laughs> but those were the key words that stood out to me. And again, I don't even see her age-wise, even though she's beautiful 33-year-old woman in the physical. I see her as my equal, in some ways my elder, as far mm-hmm. as her spirit, right? But in that moment, it brought me back to the humanness of, bro, you are married, you are a husband, you have a wife. There are certain things that are not obligatory, but you now have a new program, a new universe that you can develop with this woman. Mm. And just those words, I'm a young Tenderonia, however you said it, like, (laughs) nah, it's lit. Because I was under this belief that, you know, um, every time I ejaculate, I deplete, and there is a certain science and truth to that. But That's in situations that I didn't have a soulmate on my hands. So Mm -hmm. now when I'm engaging, I'm being stimulated in other ways that are providing energies I didn't have access to. Doing semen retention for six, seven months.
0: Because my energy is also pouring back into exactly. you. The love, the the reciprocity that you receive from me on a daily basis is not taking from you. How exactly. most unhealthy relationships is just take, take, take. And I'm pouring back into you, rubbing your feet and right. rubbing your back and rubbing your head and right. you know really showing up for you in our union the way that you show up for me.
1: Right, so to be in a space where... There's really no rules, and the rules that was the rules yesterday is not going to be the rules today. Yep. Ultimately, it leads you to a place where you are now comfortable walking through this forest of life blindfolded, because that's what we're doing anyway. Absolutely. No matter how much you crunch them numbers or try to plan, <laughs> life going life is going to do what it want to do. So when you get to the point where you are accepting, again, going to the judgment, beyond judging people, we judge life and how it flows. And this is what causes angst and depression, because we feel like life shouldn't do that. When you have the openness nature has, the space in this room has for this building, for this edifice, when you have that for life, now there's no longer reason to be depressed or feel pressure. If ain't no money coming in in December, that's what it is. Now we're in January, it's lit. Whatever way life chooses to go, you are with it. And that's the ultimate romance, the ultimate relationship of allowing life to do what life knows how to do.
0: Yeah. And that aspect that you touched on about um, the the freedom. Once you have that freedom, you know, what are you going to do with it? Mm. And I think when it comes to acknowledging that the foundation for having a loving relationship with yourself, inviting love in no matter who, who it comes from is to have the foundation of silence, mm. stillness and nature right. and really giving yourself permission to practice being in those spaces, right. which also means Everybody can't come. Right. Every situation is no longer a situation that you can be a part of. The clubs may not be a place where you can go and be. Now it's time for you to acknowledge the person that you want to be, the the soul that you already are. And it's time for you to step into that role, step into that that responsibility, step into your sovereignty and regain the autonomy of what your soul's purpose is, which means people, places and things have to change. Mm -hmm. And you are going to have to give yourself permission to no longer entertain the things that are weighing you down and give yourself permission to start practicing, exploring and adventuring in the things that are going to aid in your pleasure in the future. So all conversations are not conversations that can be a part of anymore some friendships are going to end it's inevitable some people are going to see you as the villain and that's okay because you're changing at a rate that makes them uncomfortable and they can no longer relate to you and you're gonna have to be so confident and comfortable and even if it's uncomfortable being in that eh? space giving yourself permission to be so uncomfortable because it's uncharted territory. But if you continue to try to bring the same relationships, the same behaviors, the same habits, the same self-sabotaging behaviors, the same thought processes into this new version of yourself that you're trying to give yourself permission to grow into you're gonna keep getting the same things that you're getting and so when you have that freedom it's almost like god saying okay you have this freedom now i have four years of being single i could have talked to whoever i wanted right. to talk to it wasn't <laughs> like my phone was dry now right. you know what right. i'm saying i still have people hitting your girl up <laughs> and i had the 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 power Within my being to say, no, mm-hmm. I'm not receiving anything from this. I don't want anything from this. Mm-hmm. Right now, I'm enjoying my own personal space. And I didn't put a time frame on it. It wasn't like I'm going to be single for four years so I can intentionally heal. It was like I know that my soul is asking for stillness, silence. And nature, if I'm in a relationship with somebody, they're going to talk my head off. They want to ask you your favorite color and what foods you like to eat. I ain't got time for that. I don't want to talk. And that's also the aspect of my life now where people are requiring conversation from me. They want to call. They want to text. They want me to respond. And I have to be okay with being the villain and the fact that everybody can't have access to me. Everyone is not privy to my energy. And that does make me look like the villain
1: aspect of your energy because you already freely give so exactly much. Exactly
0: right. And so to them, it looks like I'm ignoring them. I'm not answering the phone. I don't have the capacity to entertain these conversations because I harness my energy. Right. I harness my voice. I don't speak unless it's necessary to be spoken. I'm not speaking frivolous words, and I'm not uncomfortable by silence. And this is because I've given myself permission to no longer play a part in the friendships where I had to talk to the friend every single day for them to feel comfortable that our relationship was still a solid friendship. It's like, I don't have the capacity to speak every day. Right. And now my strongest friendships are friendships where we can speak once a month or us exchanging memes on Instagram is enough. And this is family. This isn't even friendships. It's I drop anything for you and I still don't have to deplete myself to prove that these are real relationships worth showing up for. And so I had to grow and acknowledge these relationships, these friendships, these people, these situations, the alcohol, how I treated myself, how I spoke to myself, the thoughts that I had, the job that I had, even being a police officer, it was not able to come with me in this phase of my life. I had to incrementally give myself permission to allow all of those things to die. And this is the part that keeps people so uncomfortable because they want to bring all of that stuff with them. They don't want their life to change because change makes people uncomfortable. It also highlights the fact that they don't have control and control makes people feel safe. So if Mm -hmm. people are falling out of your life, if jobs are changing, environments changing, that, instability and change makes people fearful, especially right. if when they grew up, they had unstable childhoods. That lack of control is now something that they cling to as adults. But when you healing and you're on your healing journey, you have absolutely no control. Right. You have to give yourself permission to submit to surrender.
1: And there are large portions um, of our relationship of every day. Well, we not, in each other's face.
0: Absolutely, you know I'm yeah. And,
1: you know, somebody's married, that's your favorite person. That's your person, as people say. And even in this dynamic, the only reason we can be each other's person is because we respect, appreciate, and need that equally for ourselves as individuals. So coming back to the down-regulation thing and knowing the challenges you've had with certain friends and things of that nature who don't understand that, when you exist in this space, it don't make us better or worse than anybody. But there is something to be said that y'all got to respect the amount of work we put into remaining spiritually clear to be able to do what we got to do to have spiritual integrity. It's a lot that goes into that that y'all never going to see on the timeline. So with that being said, understanding some of the conversations that you relayed to me too, like I said last night, is more so a difference or a separation of compatibility and the amount of down-regulation that somebody needs. So if somebody, in terms, if somebody is saying, you know, I hit you and you don't be hitting me back and I feel like friends should talk yeah. at least a few times a week, you may be in that program where you still need that much stimulation. You need to have 5, 10, 15 conversations right. a day to feel satiated. And if I'm on that list of friends, you got to fill your allotment of my 30, 45 minutes to just be able to talk to you about whatever. Right. Two to three times a week. When you say... I don't have the capacity for that. It makes me feel uncomfortable when you hit me because I know that conversation of, why don't you answer the phone is going to come? At the core of it is, you got to pour more into these dopamine neurotransmitters because you're overstimulated, and I'm on the opposite end of the pool. I need less and less and less and appreciate more stillness and openness and emptiness. Whenever you have a friendship, a romantic relationship, as you're leveling up into this type of healing, all those people who are on that end of the pool have to fall off and you can't feel away about doing it it's actually by enabling it by honoring their program you not only hold your own evolution back you also keep them back because part of what your responsibility as you heal is to drop off those nuggets of information not by you saying it just by your example just by you being able to create that border and that line in the sand I'm not going to do that with you now that person has to face themselves and why is this so important for me? Yeah. And then their uh, jewel starts to download.
0: And as you start to self soothe yourself, which is I'm being my own generator, that means the right. love that I need is coming from within. Being seen, heard, acknowledged, wanted, desired is all a self generating mechanism within yourself. Right. And when you stop giving people permission to leech off of you, energetically right. you give them permission to learn how to self-soothe themselves and stop using you exactly. as their medicine and so this is the part of when that that freedom comes in mm-hmm. now you also have to teach people i'm not readily available mm-hmm. to you and I'm only readily available to myself. People love to say, you know, this is selfish. And I've seen people say it's so full. You can call it whatever you want to call right. it. It don't matter to me, but you need to make sure that your healing is the priority in my healing process. It is my passion right. to emotionally heal, to spiritually evolve. That is something I'm deeply passionate about. Nothing, nothing, nobody has permission to step in front of that process. Mm -hmm. And that's why my husband and I work so beautifully because our foundation is individual foundation right, first is right. his individual relationship with God, my individual relationship with God, mm-hmm. his individual relationship with his own soul's evolution, my individual relationship with my own soul's evolution. And then bring
1: it together, yep.
0: the foundation is our relationship. So when you are healing and growing and evolving, you recognize that this is about you. Right. So if people want to call that selfish. It's completely fine, but you are going to have to get so gung-ho about not allowing those same people places and things to enter this new version of your life especially in the beginning stages of your your process right
1: i know a lot of people use this the last thing i say a lot of people use the term into me see um so you hearing this conversation and you starting to like kind of go through your rolodex of how you spend your energy And everything seems to be external and you're not taking no time to be silent, to be still. Where is the time to look into yourself, to be able to unlock some of these different things? Once you are willing to take that step, I guarantee you, everybody I've seen do it, everybody I've been honored and, um, you know, just been able to help through it, assist in a process, being a counselor, being a meditation mentor. Everybody I've seen do the work, I've seen their life blossom. It's without fail. We not special. God don't like us more than you. Right. It's just really a matter of prioritizing the number one relationship is what you discover within yourself. Not when the TV you're on, not when somebody coming over, not when you at the movies or the club, when there is silence and your mind is running haywire. What's the verbiage happening beneath what the thoughts are saying? What is your spirit and your soul saying? When you take that seriously, intimacy is available in every moment of your life.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, one thing that my husband and I was talking about earlier is when it comes to a lot of people who are speaking about healing and growing, it's it's specifically on Instagram, Mm. the information is so regurgitated, Mm. but no one is stopping to ask, do you have proof of your life story? Right. Is there somewhere I can see your evolution? And so for my husband and I, people have been able to actually physically see our evolution if you would like to see a part of my evolution i have it in my highlights on my instagram and it's titled my story to where you can actually see all of the things that i have been through all of the things that i've healed through i've evolved through and so sometimes when we have the conversations about the only way that you can experience the intimacy of self and love and god is if you let these things go but we also don't speak about that. SHIT is very hard, right. it's very difficult. So I don't want to rush over the fact that making these changes is not going to be easy. Right. There have been many times where I've had temper tantrums with God, and I'm like, no. Right. I'm not gonna start today. Right. I'm gonna cry. I'm gonna pout, and I'm gonna start tomorrow because I'm annoyed that this version of my healing process is causing me to have to let this go. Again. Again. <laughs> like, right? That I'm gonna have to die to this version yeah. of myself again. Mm-hmm. That and especially when it came to me drinking alcohol, I was I was very clear that the only way I can access the next version of myself, the only way I could heal into the next version of my soul, alcohol couldn't come. And I was very annoyed by that. I was very upset and angry by that. Even when it comes to food, knowing that I really thrive when it's fruit and vegetables. When I start adding in all of the other extra stuff, I physically see on my person that those foods can't come. And so there have been many times where I'm like, no, I don't want to do it. But, obviously healing and growing is my passion. So I do it anyway. But I say all of that to say that in your process of healing, growing and evolving, yes, it is painful to let these things go. Yes, it is painful to allow the versions of yourself that are no longer serving you to die off. It is painful to have to tell the versions of yourself Thank you for showing up for me for all of these years. But the things that you did that helped me survive 10 years ago are now sabotaging my progress and you cannot come with me in this version of my healing. I have to become a new person Mm -hmm. to actually access the healing that my soul is asking me to access. That does not feel good. Self-reflecting does not feel good. Not allowing yourself to have, The relationships that felt soothing to you now having to be your own medication feels very, very painful. And you are going to have to give yourself permission to thrive in those painful moments. Stop running from yourself. And when you develop that warrior spirit, I love to talk about the warrior spirit, because when I put on my warrior armor, whatever obstacle is in the way better watch the hell out right. because my warrior spirit can heal through anything, mm-hmm. any pain. It ain't nothing that I can't do. There's nothing that I have to run away from and I never run away from myself. And when you are able to really sit in whatever is present, once you actually hit, it's like a, a knob that you hit. Like once you actually hit that growth spurt, right. people are going to be looking at you like, What's different? Right. What have you been doing? What have you <laughs> been eating? And people will be able to see the healing on you. But you have to be so diligent in those spaces where it feels the most difficult. And when you do that, you start to open new worlds of love showing up exactly. for you that you could never imagine.
1: And that's the secret that everybody, what's your secret? That's the secret. That's yeah. the cheat code. And even in that last bit of what you said, as we close out. Um, when people may think it's arrogant, when you do have to cut those ties, I've done this with myself over and over and over again. So there's a certain level of cachet you start to build. Like I call it spiritual callus, where it's like your skin just starts to get, gets tough. And if people do look at you a certain way, um, you understand that you have literally laid down multiple versions of yourself to maintain your peace. At that point, nobody else gets special treatment if I've done this to myself and yeah. with myself over and over.
0: Yeah, because it's not the fact that you can't come. Right, There's versions of me that right. can't exactly. come either that I can't even allow. I can't allow certain conversations right. with myself, let alone certain conversations with other people. Exactly. So that's just a part of the process that people have to give themselves permission to start getting used to absolutely and so i think now we can just go into our our question we're gonna wrap it up we're gonna go into our question after every episode we would like to have the q a question um as well as if you need advice on a particular situation you can always just dm us what advice you need and we'll be anonymous in that process
1: so today's question is from i believe this is queen x dash um from instagram and she asked how do you master detachment well
0: i started the last one so i think you can start this
1: um so as the resident meditation teacher on remembering me the soul healing podcast (laughs) um, i'm always bringing back to the level of thought and when you have enough stillness you start to be able to see the mechanics of how the mind works how a new burst of what i call mental activity and or a thought happens every 0.5 to three seconds. So there's still immense emotional work that has to be done, the journaling, the burning of candles, the sage, the chakra stuff, all of that's still beautiful. Or if you're somebody that go to church, the mosque, there are all different pathways unique to what your soul needs. But the spiritual fundamentals of it is starting to be able to recognize the circadian rhythm of what you feel attached to. So at a certain point for me, it was alcohol, it was weed, it was fool, it was sex. Those thoughts throughout the course of a day, I will realize out of an hour, food is popping up 10, 15 times. And I'm, I'm trying to figure out the most unhealthy thing I could get just to satiate my taste buds. Weed is popping up seven times an hour and I'm smoking three, four blunts. So all those things, you start to be able to confront and recognize the rhythm, the algorithm of how these thoughts create realities that you feel like you attach to, person, place, or thing. So if you can catch the seed thought Before it blossoms into this fantasy world in your head, it gives you the space to recognize, okay, I'm on the precipice of falling into that maelstrom of energy again. Let me do something different. Let me direct my attention into a different space or person or thing or um, uh, experiment with myself, whatever it may be. You got to be able to catch those seed thoughts that turn into the eventual attachment.
0: Yeah, and I think the only thing I'll add is when it comes to detachment, you also have to be mindful of who is attached and why. And so there's a term called DID, which is dissociative identity disorder. And basically it acknowledges um, when people have multiple personalities. And so the only difference between, in my opinion, people who have multiple personalities is that they actually identify who the personalities right. are, and they give them names, right? And so with us, we have multiple personalities, but we are not really privy. We to, about it, yeah. yeah. Those personalities, a different person shows up. There's a Chinese proverb that says something to the effect of. <laughs> When you're with your friends, you're a specific person. When you're with your parents, Mm -hmm. you're a specific person. When you're in front of your grandmother, you're a different person. When you're with your spouse, you're a different person. When you're with your coworkers, you're a different person. But when you are by yourself, you are the truth of who you are. Mm -hmm. So this is proof, and anybody hearing this I know can feel like, dang, that's kind of true. So when you are having issues with attachment, we have to figure out which version of you is actually attached attached to the thing and why, Mm -hmm. where does it stem from? And this gives you a clear idea to know who is at play because if it's the nine-year-old you that feels like i have to cling on to this relationship because if i don't have the relationship no one will ever love me again you have to now acknowledge this don't have nothing to do with the present relationship in front of you this is the nine-year-old that feels like no one will ever love her ever Mm -hmm. again and so the, the the detachment is the word that we're using. But ultimately, you have a version of yourself that is deeply afraid Mm -hmm. that you'll never be loved. And so the way that you acknowledge who is attached, that's where the healing part starts with. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, this wraps up episode number three three of the Emotional Healing Podcast.
1: So, as always, continue to support, um, like, comment, subscribe. I always wanted to say that. I get oh, to say good. that now. Like, good, comment, baby. subscribe. <laughs> um, we're going to continue to crank the stuff out for you. Um, just make sure you guys continue to send us topics so we can be in alignment with what the global community we're uh, creating is wanting to discuss. Yeah. Um, and we'll do our best to work those things in. Stay in tune with us for our events, our retreats, um, our one on one services. You can contact myself or Candace for details on that. And we will also be launching an initiative to give our spotlight to other people, so if you have a small business, especially a business that aligns with what we do, Mm -hmm. um, holistic, whatever that type of stuff may be for you, Hit us up. We will also be incorporating some advertisements, um, some paid advertisements, so you can get your stuff seen on what it is we do going forward. We'll have more details on that, too.
0: Yeah. So if you want your business to be advertised on our podcast, send us a DM or you can email us. Our email is on both of our Instagrams and we'll send you what the price will be for you to have your advertisement and We'll read out whatever it is you need for us to read, explain mm-hmm. so we can get the word out of what you actually do, especially if it's in alignment with, you know, the purpose of our podcast.
1: Absolutely. And we ain't going to beat y'all over the head. We trying to see everybody eat. So yeah. don't be afraid of up. All
0: right. OK, yo. Remembering me. Number three. Number three.
1: Bars. <laughs>